Let's pray. Father God, uh, we come to you this morning and we thank you for who you are. We want to not honor and acknowledge how great and amazing you are that you would come and save us from our sins. Lord, we, we are uh, honored to be here this morning as we focus our eyes, our minds, our thoughts, and even our songs on you and how great you are. Lord, we, we pray that even through uh, the hardships, the difficulties of this life, whatever we face, Lord, we know that you are sovereign, you are good, and that we trust in you. Lord, do a work through uh, this message, Lord, through um, us this morning, and we just pray that all of this would be glorifying to you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Uh, just a quick uh, announcement, uh, you may have already heard, uh, but Emily Hart has uh, passed away on November 11th, and um, there will be a memorial service in uh, sometime in December, um, and we will make sure that the church family knows when that is so we can um, celebrate uh, her life as well as um, honor her. And so um, just, a qu just that before we get started. Um, and now I have to unlock, there we go. So um, I, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything, but I think that was it. Um, but I do want to start off by saying that there is a state of being that is just very awkward, and we actually, probably everyone in this room has been in one of these states at one time or another in their life, or will go through one of these um, in their life, and it's called the already but not yet state. Um, and this is a state of being where something has arrived, but it hasn't been fully co uh, consummated or culminated or completed. And so, here, I'll give you some examples so you guys can understand what I'm talking about. So, one that we're all familiar with is, or will be familiar with in our lives, is called the teenager. Uh, you're physically becoming an adult, you're becoming, uh, but you aren't fully independent yet. Uh, you're or as the great philosopher Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles said in his movie, <laughs> we're teenagers, but we can have like adult conversations. Uh, and so, uh, so adult, but not yet, not fully yet. Another one that you might be familiar with is, is the state of being engaged. Uh, you're, you're on the road to marriage, it's almost a foregone co conclusion. Uh, and I'm not making any like, oh, but in today's world, you never know. But uh, I'm just saying, just in general, uh, engagement leads to marriage and marriage uh, for life. And so um, the type of engagement is, is you're on that road. You're seriously dating someone. You know you want to make that promise, that, but you're not married yet, right? And, and so another example that you may be a little bit less familiar with is being a minor league baseball player. <laughs> so you're a pro ball player, but really only your mom cares. Um, uh, or uh, another one we might be familiar with is, is, is an intern, right? You're, getting, you're working in the field that you're interested in or want to get experience in, but you're not getting paid very well or very little, or if at all, or you're paid in experience, uh, right? And, and which reminds me, Ryan, can you get me another coffee? Um, just kidding. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so these are all, all like the already not yet experiences and all, or, or states of being. And so more than five years ago, uh, I, I was in one of these states, right? And so I was, uh, I was da seriously dating this uh, very good-looking and godly woman 
just so everyone knows, this is my wife, Jordan. I'm talking about her, just so there's no confusion. Uh, but it was a really like weird time in our relationship because I wanted to marry her. She, I mean, I, we, I led on to that fact. Um, but uh, I was an intern, another awkward state of being already not yet, and didn't have uh, the money to buy a ring. And so one of the things I was doing was I was looking for a full-time job. And of course, five years ago, uh, FBC called and, and said, you're hired. And I said, yes. And I was like, great. And so uh, you guys, thank you. You guys uh, allowed her to get a ring on her finger. Um, and so, yeah, so thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I think she appreciates it. You'll have to ask her. Um, but, so, but one of the, the, the weird things that we had to do is as we were engaged, one of the things, I was preparing for marriage, preparing for her to move into our apartment uh, in, in Medford. And one of the things I had to do was I had to buy a bigger mattress. Like, that was really weird. But, uh, so we were, so I, I got a king-sized mattress, and I'm not going to lie, I slept, slept like a baby all by myself in that for a, really, for a couple months. It was, it was great. Uh, and so, but that's like super awkward. You're preparing for marriage, but you're like, I'm sleeping alone in my bed. Uh, and so, uh, before we got married, of course. And so, this morning, we're going to see another state of already not yet that, that, uh, that Jesus is describing. And it's, the, it's all about the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is going to basically let us know when it's going to happen or, or how it's going to happen. And, but first, before we get into that, I really just want to understand what the kingdom of God is. Um, and so the easiest definition that I can give you, uh, for when you read the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven in the Bible, they're both the same terms, it's, 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 they're synonyms, they mean the same thing, uh, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God in the Bible is basically saying, you can think of it as a kingdom, where God is ruling um, as sovereign. And so it's any place that God is ruling as sovereign, and we see this throughout the Bible. We see it in the beginning with Adam and Eve, God ruling over all creation with Adam and Eve. And we also see it at the end in Revelation, where we see uh, Jesus reigning as king in uh, the new heavens and the new earth, right? And so we see, and then throughout the history of the Bible, we see throughout the Old Testament glimpses and pictures of what the, this kingdom of God will entail, and we have prophecies of what the kingdom of God and how it will come about. And, and so I'm going to show you some of these examples. If you want to turn to me uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, in your copy of Scripture. Or if you don't have one, there's also ones in the uh, uh, seats in front of you as well. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, this is what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Another passage, if you want to follow along, it's in uh, Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, or you can just listen along. It says in uh, Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, this is what it says. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, 
and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will, excuse me, will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Now the Old Testament and these prophets are looking forward to the coming Messiah, Jesus. And one of the things that he's doing is, as these prophets are looking, it's almost looking at like the beautiful mountains that we have here, uh, the Cascades. Looking at the, uh, out onto the mountains, you see this huge, beautiful picture of a mountain range, right? And they look forward to this coming kingdom of God, and they see mountain peaks. And they're looking at this huge picture, and they're just kind of dictating or, or, or trying to put into words what they're seeing from God. And, and, and so they're not necessarily, when, they, when you see the mountains in front of you, you might see a couple peaks in front, you know which ones are in front, and you see some behind them and then further behind them, but you're not really sure how they line up next to each other or when then, like how far away they actually are because obviously different mountains, different heights and different distances from your perspective. But they're trying to describe it in, in, in the best way they can. And so when they say and they talk about the kingdom of God, as you saw in Isaiah and Jeremiah, they, they talk about not only Jesus' coming, as, as a child in the manger that we'll celebrate in, in Christmas uh, uh, time in, in, well, next week, starting next week. But we will start um, looking. They're looking forward, but they're also seeing not only that, but the, the, the full uh, uh, coming of Jesus the second time. But they're seeing this all in one picture, in one beautiful picture of like a mountain range. And so many times it's easy to see that when the Old Testament was written, and, and as, as we get into the New Testament, that it's easy to see why people had their own ideas of when the Messiah would come, that, that all of this would take place at the same time. I, they, they, they thought, like, the Messiah was going to come, and Jesus was going to rule, or the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to rule over Israel. Israel would be saved, um, and he will set up his kingdom on earth. And... and we see Israel throughout the Old Testament that they go into exile, they come back into the promised land, and we see in, especially in, in the prophet of Malachi, this beautiful picture of them wanting and desiring. They're like, hey God, we're back in the promised land. Can, can the Messiah come now? The Messiah is coming. We're being obedient. And, 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 and Messiah, please come. The kingdom should come. And what happens after Malachi is we actually get a picture of uh, we see, we see, like uh, the, the Messiah is coming. There's a promised Messiah. He says, he says, um, I will send Israel to to make way for the path of the Messiah. Basically, in the end of Malachi, and then uh, there's 400 years of silence until Jesus comes. So I do this with the students a lot. So they're, if they're in the room, they're probably like, oh gosh, here he goes again. Uh, if you open to page one or 805 on, in, in your Bible or any, right after Malachi, basically flip open to Malachi and, and if you look at the end of Malachi, there's this one page that usually says the New Testament on it. And it's in, in your few Bibles, it's on page 805. But if you have your own copy, it's going to be different. But there's this single page that says the New Testament. And this single page represents 400 years where God, although working, was silent. He did not speak through a, another prophet until jo John the Baptist comes. 
400 years ago, Jamestown was still a thing. The Ottoman Empire was alive and well. I know many of you are like, oh yeah, Ottoman Empire, I remember that in history class. Yeah, the 30-year the 30 30 year war was raging in Europe. And, and so this is the time period. 400 years and our nation wasn't even, was just not even a, a thought in the minds of people at this point. And, and so 400 years of silence, God not speaking through a prophet. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene in, in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wow. After 400 years of silence, here comes someone speaking as a prophet and says, the kingdom is coming. Now, in that 400 years of silence, it's easy to understand that, that many people probably came up with their own interpretation of like how this was going to happen. Like, hey, maybe if we, just, if we just follow God, if we just trust in God, that, that God would bring, up, bring about the kingdom sooner if we just obey his law. And, and we actually find that that actually happened in the New Testament, we call them Pharisees. They said, if we just are obedient to God's law and, and, and we're gonna make sure so much that we are obedient, that we're gonna like make sure all of these, we're gonna put all these extra rules in place so we don't break those laws and we'll just be very careful. And, and, and we're going to make sure that the kingdom of God will come by our obedience. And we know them as the Pharisees. So it's easy to see after 400 years of silence by God that, that many people had their own interpretation of how this was gonna play out and as we saw in Isaiah and, and uh, Jeremiah, that it's, there's no delineation between Jesus' first coming, what we know, and Jesus' second coming. So today we're going to look at a passage in Luke, Luke 17, and we're going to see that Jesus is clearing this up for us. He wants to make sure the Pharisees and even the, 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 his disciples would know what the coming kingdom is going to look like. And so today we're going to see that the kingdom of God is present. The kingdom of God is something to be desired. The kingdom of God will come suddenly. And finally, the kingdom of God will come with justice. So let's jump together in, in, uh, in, together in Luke chapter 17 starting in verse 20. This is, this is what it says. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, that's Jesus, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will you say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now, some of your translations, if you don't have the ESV translation, might say, uh, instead of in the midst of you, might actually say within you or within your grasp. And uh, just so everyone's clear, he's actually talking about um, the in the midst or in, in your presence is what, he's actually, what the Greek word actually means. The reason is, is he's talking to Pharisees. If, if the kingdom of God was in them, within them, like within their hearts, they would be believers. They would trust and know Christ and and of course, Christ doesn't lie. So the better translation is to understand this is that the kingdom of God is in the midst of you or around you. So this brings us to the first point of kingdom, the kingdom of God is present. When the Pharisees asked Jesus when 
the kingdom of God would come. I mean, he's claiming to be the Messiah. They're like, oh, hey, we know what happens this. We've read the Old Testament. We've read Isaiah and Jeremiah. We know this, hey, we're gonna, the Jews are going to get um, freed from Rome, and all of this is going to happen. So many people were asking this, and so they wanted clarity. Here's the Messiah. When will he set up his kingdom? And so Jesus actually kind of, as Jesus does so many times throughout the Scripture, he kind of evades the question, but at the same time answers it and goes to the heart of what they're asking. Because they're asking, like, hey, when are you going to be the king of the Jews as, you, as the Messiah should? And what he actually answers is, the kingdom of his God is not something that can be observed as in, as in obedience to these laws. He's like, you can't observe your way. You can't observe enough Passovers to bring about the kingdom of God. Um, but the, the kingdom of his God is already among you. You don't have to look around for it. You don't believe people say, hey, look, there it is, there it is. Uh, out of signs, but it's actually right here. I'm here. Jesus is here. He's standing right in front of them. See, Jesus came and by God coming uh, to earth in the flesh, he embodies the kingdom of God. He is there presently. So Jesus is saying the, the, the kingdom of God is here in me, in Christ. You have found it. I am here. You don't have to look anymore. I'm right here. So this is, there's a, there was a, uh, a comedy tour called the Blue Collar Comedy Tour a couple years back. And there was a comedian named by, uh, and they all had their like catchphrases and Bill Ingvall was one of them. And he had this catchphrase called, here's your sign, right? And it was basically, here's your sign as in like, hey, if you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid response kind of thing. And he would say, like, here's your sign. Many of you may, may have heard of this. And so I'm not saying that the Pharisees are stupid. But Jesus is the first person to say, here's your sign in recorded history. He say, you don't have to look for it. I'm here. The Messiah is here. I'm him. And he's, Jesus is saying, because I'm here, I am reigning over all things. And, and therefore, Jesus, in Jesus, the kingdom of God is present. But he didn't just say that it's present. Here's where it gets tricky in this passage. But he wanted to make sure that everyone knew exactly what he was talking about because he doesn't just say it's present, but he wanted to make sure everyone was clear about the timing of the kingdom and how it was going to play out. So, as we move on, so in verse 22, he says, and he said to the disciples, so he turns his attention to the disciples, he says, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. For first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. See, now J Jesus focuses his, his attention away from the disciples and addresses his disciples. Those who know and love Jesus. And so they probably got super excited. Oh, he just said that the kingdom is here. So, hey, Rome's out of here. We're man, here's our king. Right? They're, they're pro I mean, after 400 years of silence, they hear John the Baptist, they see Jesus in front of them declaring that the kingdom of, is, is here. 
And then Jesus says this. Of course, they thought that the, the Messiah would liberate the Jews from Rome and the fullness of the kingdom of God would come when Jesus came. Yet, this is what he says. He says that the days are coming when you, the disciples, will desire the coming of the kingdom and will not see it. See, Jesus is starting to reorient those who are looking for the fullness of the, of, of the kingdom of God to come and saying, yes, I am here, but there is more to come. There's more to this story. This is story. Story. And the precursor of all this is found in verse 25. He says, Jesus must suffer and be rejected by this generation. And then the, Jesus, the, the disciples will want and desire for the kingdom to come. They will desire for Jesus to bring about the kingdom after he has suffered and died. So this is all the precursor. Jesus must come and suffer and die, and then their desires will want, they would want Jesus to bring about his kingdom. And we see that in, even in the book of Acts, that they're anticipating Jesus coming early on in the early church, in, uh, in the book of Acts, that they are desiring Jesus to come back. So, of course, Jesus is saying that the, the kingdom of God is present, but, he, but the completion of it will not happen as they think it does. They'll want it, they'll desire it, they'll long for Jesus to come back, but they will not be the ones who see it. And so we find ourselves today, 2,000 years later, waiting on Jesus' return just like the disciples in which the kingdom will come in all of its glory, in all of its fullness. And this is something that we should desire. Much like the 12 disciples did, we should look upon Jesus and go, we want his kingdom to come. Here's Jesus letting the disciples know that there is more to the kingdom of God than just his first coming. That, that actually his life, death, and burial, and resurrection will come and then they will have to wait for the fullness of God to come. They will long for it, but they will not see it. See, they desired it, thinking it was coming in their lifetime, and they're thinking it's coming back soon. Here, it will be soon. It's going to be soon. And they wanted to be ready, and our desire should be exactly the same. Jesus is coming back, and the kingdom of God is to be desired. Which brings us to the next point. The kingdom of God will come suddenly. There's a phrase that many people use, and I'm not going to lie, it's one of my pet peeves. I, I really don't like it. Um, it's, it's up there with, um, in, in terms of my pet peeves, of saying literally when you mean figuratively, um, and if you're above the age of nine, uh, then saying uh, or pronouncing supposedly, supposedly. Um, obviously, I have grace for those under the age of nine. Um, so th this is the phrase. It's called, <laughs> and I've heard it said many times, expect the unexpected. What? It's, I, I don't understand how you do this. How are you to expect the unexpected? You, it's, it's physically, it's, 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 it's not possible. Because if you expect it, it's not unexpected. 
I, and I'm, I really did this, so this was actually part of my prep. What would it look like if someone did this, expecting the unexpected in their re- regular life? They'd be walking around like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, like, whoa, oh, 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 oh. I, I mean, I, okay, I, I get it. That was my best, Bill, uh, uh, that was my best Brian Regan impression. So, um, I, I don't know how this looks. Like, it w- it's not a possibility to expect the unexpected. We're not expected to know certain things. And, and so, and Jesus actually has something to say about this. So, so starting in verse 26, this is what he says. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given, and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is in the house, or on the housetop with his goods in the house not come back down and take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. See, Jesus is continuing to talk to his disciples, the ones who love and desire him. <coughs> and, and he's saying, like, the fullness of God, the fullness of, of the kingdom of God will come. And he uses these two Old Testament examples of how it's going to come. And so first he mentioned, he uses two Old Testament stories. He, sa- he says Noah and Lot, these two examples of how the fullness of, of the kingdom will come. And so first Noah, so people were eating and drinking and marrying and being given marriage when up until the day that Jesus, or sorry, Jesus, Noah entered the ark, meaning life was normal. No one was like, hey, look, rain. No, it wasn't like that. They, uh, except for Noah, who was, who was, given a mission by God, uh, no one was expecting the judgment. Except, of course, Noah. So just think of this. If people were being married and, not, uh, and given in marriage up until the day Noah was going into the ark, um, that was a really bad day to get married. You thought the rain on your wedding day was bad. Uh, yeah, that puts a damper on your honeymoon. They missed the cruise. <laughs> Seth, where are you on the drums when I need you? No, so. <laughs> and so, but on that day, so he's saying, like, look, life was carrying on as normal. No, no one was looking for the coming judgment. No one suspected a thing. I mean, except Noah, who was, of course, given a, a, a message by God. Noah was prepared because he was being faithful to God. And then we have this, the, the story of Lot uh, and his wife and Sodom and Gomorrah. And again, Jesus makes the point of saying, people were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. Again, life was normal. There was no 
warning. And if, if you actually look at it, Lot was actually taken by the angels to get out. He was like gathering things. He's like, nope, time to go. And they, they have to leave. And they said, don't look back because you know what happens. And then, and then Lot's wife looks back. See, no one was ready for it. It came and, and judgment happened without any notice or sign. People, it came unexpectedly. It came suddenly. So if this is the case, the, 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 the judgment comes unexpectedly, and, and those who were faithful were the ones just doing as God instructed them. The, the coming of God is going to come in a, so unexpected that there's no time to gather things. There's no time to get home. Wherever you are, it's going to happen, and good luck from there. And, and Jesus is saying not to be like Lot's wife. That's the warning. Don't be like Lot's wife, who looks back at Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Looks back to her home, looks back to her things that were getting destroyed and pillar of salt, right? So don't be like her. Don't lose your life in the things of this world. They're all coming to an end anyway. It's not going to matter. Where is your focus? Where are you looking at? Focus on the mission that God has given you. You can't expect the unexpected. And so make sure your focus is on Jesus and not the things of this world that you have gathered. Don't love this world more than you love Jesus. And so finally, the last point that Jesus makes is that the kingdom will come with justice. Starting in verse 33... It says, I tell you, in that, uh, in, the, oh, sorry, in that night, there will be two in, in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So Jesus goes on to explain about his own references in the Old Testament by describing the coming of the kingdom of God. And it's not just sudden, it's one of judgment. Judgment is coming, unexpectedly, suddenly. He says on that day, people will be going about the normal things, sleeping and working. People will be going about their lives normally, and one will be taken and the other left. So he's saying the same things that were happening in the times of Noah, marrying and given in marriage, and in the times of Lot, working and sleeping, eating and drinking, that will be the same way when Jesus comes back again. The same things are taking place. Now in this explanation, one person is taken out of the group of two, and one is left. And so I, I, I want to I I be clear. So this is not talking about the rapture. Um, and, and, and the only reason I say that is simply because the one that's taken is taken into judgment, not out of judgment. The, the reason, again, I'm going to explain why I say this, is those who stay are actually the ones escaping the, the, the judgment. The, the reason I, I say this is when the disciples ask them where, 
You don't ask where when they know where the people are. They're asking where will they be taken is the, uh, the rest of that question implied. And he says where the vultures or where the vultures gather, that's where the corpses are, meaning judgment will happen. They will not have to ask where the ones that stayed are because they know that the one's still in bed, the one's still working. Jesus is saying that when the kingdom of God fully comes, it will come with justice. Judgment will happen, and it comes sudden and unavoidable. So we've learned that the kingdom of God is already here in Jesus. But yet there's more to it to come. There's the full consummation of it is yet to come. We're looking for Jesus' return where he will set up his kingdom fully, where sin will be no more. So the students who come to our student ministry knows I usually ask this question of now what? Or or like, how is this passage, how is this going to affect my tomorrow? How is this going to affect me? And, and, and so, like Jesus is telling the Pharisees in the kingdom of God is in him, and yet his disciples that it will not yet be fully, but it will come in the future, and, and now we find ourselves 2,000 years later still in that same tension, waiting for God's return, for Jesus to come in all of his glory and set up his kingdom where death will be no more and we will, sin will be no more and there will be no tears, no eyes. And we're waiting for this day. So what does this mean for me? What does this mean for you? What does this mean, well, how does this change my plans for, for, for Monday morning? So I want to end with a couple of applications to kind of show how we can apply this to our lives. What, what does this mean for us is knowing what the kingdom is and how we're in this state of already but not yet. <coughs> Excuse me. What this means for us. First, I, I just want to point out, like, take the warning that the Pharisees got. That Jesus shows us that we should check our own hearts. Don't let us miss the kingdom of God presently here. And what I mean by that is that if you have trusted your life to Christ, then the reality is God reigns in your hearts, that the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers, and we have a small picture of the glorious kingdom of God within us. And so don't miss that Jesus is here in us, in our hearts. And so... Part of this is allowing him to reign in our lives. Part of us seeing glimpses of the kingdom of God come is actually seeing him rule in our life. So are we letting him reign in our lives? Are we letting God work in our lives in such a way that we glorify him? Are we letting him reign in our lives so that we can see pictures of kingdom work happening all around us? That means spreading the gospel. That means uh, uh, sharing uh, the gospel with our, our neighbors, our, the people that we work with, those around us in our lives, our family members, our friends. Can we see changed lives around us? 
Are we discipling our brothers and sisters in Christ and seeing transformation in their lives away from sin and repenting as, and, and, and turning towards Christ? We can see parts and glimpses of the kingdom of God here on earth because the Holy Spirit is within us. So we also have to remind, remind ourselves that the, the Pharisees were standing right in front of the Son of God and they missed him. So our question, if, if we don't know Christ, then, then the question is, is, are we blind and deaf like the Pharisees, where Jesus is literally standing in front of you and saying, trust in me for your sins. Like, if you would just trust in me, you can experience a small glimpse of the coming kingdom of God where we will be without pain, without sin, without death, no more in the future if we just trust in Christ. So are we missing Christ when he's standing right in front of us? As Christians, I also want to want to point this out is part of the reason the Pharisees were the Pharisees was because of their own pride and their own self-righteousness. So our problem may be, are we missing Christ because of our own pride? because of our own self-righteous works? Are we missing Christ, who's standing right in front of us, because we are doing Christ-like works as duties and as obligations and as ways to say, hey, look how great of a Christian we are. Instead of allowing him to reign in our hearts where these works and these things that we do, the, the, the people we serve in our lives are just an outpouring of a thank you performance for Christ dying on the cross for our sins. So where, where do our works actually lie? Are they self-righteous or are they ones to serve, ones to glorify God? Secondly, if we are to desire the coming of the kingdom of God, that is something we should do. We should desire and expect that, the, that Jesus is returning. That is something we should do. We should probably not be obsessed with it. Now, in this passage, we have people who are going about their daily lives and the kingdom of God comes. Jesus comes. The people who are taken are taken into judgment. The, the, the people who stay, it seems that the warning is, is saying, hey, don't go back and gather things. Don't, you don't have time because Jesus is coming. It, it, it's here. Je Jesus is coming. So don't gather your things. Don't be like Lot's wife. Don't, don't focus our lives on the things of this world anymore because Jesus is here. And so the people who are faithful in their calling in this are actually the ones going about their daily lives. Now we see the examples of Noah and Lot. They're the ones who were faithful, and they had a specific mission. Like, I mean, God said, hey, build an ark, and Noah did. And uh, Lot had the, mess, the, the angels come to him and be like, hey, like, get out. Like, I mean, and so um, that was a rough translation. That's, it was the message translation. Um, and so... 
both of these people had very specific instructions from God, and we have similar instructions. I I, want to tell you, God did not leave us without instructions or a mission for us to do as we wait for the coming of Jesus. See, like one of them, um, I I don't know if you've heard this one before, um, we are called to make disciples. Uh, In in Matthew 28, he, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We are to go and make disciples. That's our mission. As, as disciples of Christ, we are to make other disciples. And actually, Seth pointed one out last week, too. You want to know what the will of God is for you? In 1 Thessalonians, he read this last week, uh, chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For what reason? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's what our mission is. To go and make disciples, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. We have our mission. If we are doing that with our lives and focusing on Christ and, re- and glorifying him with those things in our lives, then we're faithful. These are our commands and how we can be faithful in Christ. And, and many times in this passage, Jesus warns us not to look where people are pointing at signs. He's like, don't look if people go, go, oh, look, there it is. There's Jesus coming. There's here. No. The reason is, is because when it happens, it will be like lightning. Everyone from miles around will know. Everyone will know. Christian, non-Christian, Jesus is coming back. That's Jesus. It's not going to be um, hidden. It's not going to be um, sneaky everyone will know that Jesus has returned. So I, I say all of this, and I, I, I want to confess something. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and, and so when I talk about eschatology, I love me some charts, charts okay? Pre, you want to talk about premillennial, postmillennial, Millennial, you want to talk about that stuff? I am happy to talk about that stuff with you. I really am. And it's okay to, get, to have an opinion and, and to uh, talk about rapture or no rapture, when will it happen, all of those things. I'm happy to have those conversations. And it, if you read the Bible, yeah, come to a conclusion. I encourage you to come to a conclusion on those things. Don't miss Jesus in all of those things. Don't miss Jesus in all of those things. Don't be like Lot's wife, where we're so concerned with the things of this world and, and the love that we have in this, this lifetime that we miss the greatest thing, which is Jesus. Like I said, there will be no doubt when it happens. So I encourage you to be found faithful as we desire the coming of the kingdom of God in Jesus. I know especially throughout the pandemic, there were many faithful Christians who tried to put the pandemic and other things that were happening around us into the book of Revelation. And this is a very dangerous game because I'd like to say that the Bible's very clear. Jesus doesn't even know when he's returning. Only the Father. I understand we like to know things. That's what, I mean... You want to put, point at a person who doesn't like undefined things? 
I, like I say it all, to, all the time to the young adults or, or, and, and also the students, is the worst time to be dating is right before the DTR, or the define the relationship. Because you're like, what are we? I don't know. Are we dating? Are we not dating? Are we just friends? I hate that. <laughs> sorry. That, that was, that's not even in my notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the reason I'm saying that is, is because we're, I want things to be defined. And, and, and part of the, 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 the lore of putting the things around us is actually this idea that I can control when it happens. And the Pharisees even wanted that to happen. They're like, if you're the king of the Jews, then like, hey, be king. Like, where's your army? We, we, that's why we don't believe you. And so let's not be like the Pharisees and, and, and miss the fact that the Son of God is standing right in front of us. If we are faithful to Jesus, if we are loving Jesus, if we are making disciples with our lives, with those around us, we are found faithful in Christ. So when the unexpected happens, when Jesus returns, we can be found faithful in him. There will be no time to gather. It will be swift. It will happen unexpectedly and suddenly. So is our focus on Jesus or the things of this world? This this passage is not about figuring out when Jesus will return, but it's about what will happen when it happens. And that it is something that we can desire. I look forward to the day that I don't have to say the words cancer anymore. I know many of us have lost friends, family members, to diseases, to tragedy. And we're looking forward to the day that that is going to be gone. That's a good thing. But let us not miss that the best thing about that is because we get to experience that because we are focused and loving Christ. And so to be prepared for his coming is not about actual knowing the day or the time or when it will happen or or any of that, it's actually being in relationship with Christ. It's being in a covenant community with other believers and saying, brothers and sisters, let's walk towards Christ together. It's allowing to build each other up in gospel community because even Jesus says that that, that the church, this body right here, is the bride of Christ. He's coming back for us. And we aren't perfect. I'm not. I know that. So even if you were, I'm sorry, I screwed you all up. But Jesus has redeemed us, and we get to worship him with our lives. And so where is our focus? Do we love this world so much that we actually are like Lot's wife and looks back, as, as Jesus is coming, we go, oh no, I don't want to lose my things. Oh no, Jesus is back. Why well, I, I didn't I never saw France. I <laughs> love Jesus where when he comes back we get to rejoice. Because justice will be done, we will be okay. Whatever your belief on eschatology is, you'll be okay. 
if you have Christ. That's the caveat. So, where's your focus? The kingdom of God is coming. Do you know Christ? Let me pray. Father God, I just pray that it, even now, that if there's something that we need to let go of, maybe it's our pride, maybe it's our self-righteousness, maybe it's just focusing on the wrong things instead of you. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. That I, I pray that there'd be, even, even now, that there would be people who are experienced Christ for the first time. That oh, I, I, They didn't know that Jesus, being God and man, came to die on the cross. Not for no purpose, but for the purpose that he would give his perfect life as a sacrifice, choosing to die on the cross, that if we would just trust our lives and believe in him and his sacrifice, that we could have eternal life with God, with you. And so, Lord, even now, I just pray that there would be people who are changed, their eternal destiny has been changed because of who Christ is. Lord, this passage is clear. You are coming back. And, and we're in this tension of waiting for you. And we know you are patient is the reason that you are waiting. And we thank you for that grace and mercy. Lord, we look to you. Let our focus not be on the things of this world. Let it not be on when, but let it be knowing you are coming back and when you do we can rejoice in how great and glorious you are it's in Jesus name we pray amen